0: we look at the dishes, we look at the unmowed lawn, and then we say, this is the task assigned to me by God. And I want to glorify God in the midst of that.
1: This month, we're working with the incarnational stream, the sacramental life. You might think of this tradition as the various ways we engage visible means that express an invisible reality. There's a lot to this stream, and I'm very happy to share a conversation I had with Richard Foster. He's my father and author of the classic book, Streams of Living Water. It's a foundational book for us at Renovare as it lays the groundwork to help us explore six great traditions of the Christian faith, these various vessels or entry points into a deeper life with God that have historically been confined to different denominational expressions. Bringing them together gives us a holistic picture of the Christian faith and the life of Jesus. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Podcast. We get to talk about the incarnational stream today.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay if I at least give a sentence about the background again that we're talking about a bigger.
1: Oh, please do. P- particularly because, in one sense, if there is an order, this one goes at the end.
0: Yeah, I know. I know.
1: Yeah, give us give us a big picture. Okay. Oh, are you ready? Oh, I'm recording. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Nate. Good to be with you. Hey, good to be with you, too. Yeah.
0: Well, I hear you want to talk on the incarnational stream, and I love to do that. Uh, But first, it's important to say to everyone, just keep it into our minds, that this is one of six great traditions that for me were an effort to think of uh, uh, the expression of Christian faith um, in a sort of post-denominational world. Uh, I don't mean that denominations disappear. I mean that we're no longer getting our theology along the vertical bars of denominational loyalty, but across the horizontal bars of interdenominational connection and different fellowships. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, denominations has had a, a a history for 300 years or so uh, that has been quite wonderful. But that day is, is now passing. And so I was trying to think of uh, kind of a an ecclesiology, a doctrine of, of the church. What is it like to be the people of God together, um, and in in this new uh, setting, which brought me to these six areas: the the uh, contemplative life, the holiness tradition, the charismatic, the uh, social justice, the evangelical. And here, the incarnational. So, uh, all six of these work together to, uh, to form a life with God for the individual, but also for groups of people. Uh, actually, we get any group of a dozen or more together, and you have all of these uh, different traditions represented in one form or another. So it's important to see that, and to see how these things apply to our life and to uh, the larger
1: picture of uh, of church life. Yes, sometimes I'll think about them as entry points. Yes, that's a good
0: way to think of, and especially um, the the subtitle on each of these on the incarnational tradition, it's the sacramental life, how that life itself has sacred significance. That's the entry point. Incarnation is a big word. It it just simply means that God works with and manifests himself through material means.
1: God likes matter.
0: Yeah, uh, Matter, matter
1: matters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this is a little bit of an interesting stream because you've got a couple facets to it that you don't necessarily see or would put together. Um, can you give us just a, a, a picture of how this stream works itself out in our in our, yep. our lives And
0: what when, when we first started thinking about all of this, I had a language for the first five, but this area, I didn't quite have a language, and it took us some time, several years, uh, because I would think of the specifically religious dimension uh, and think, uh, gosh, what's a word for that? Well, liturgical maybe, but that leaves out, you know, non-liturgical people, and And the other thing is that I was thinking about, uh, oh, uh, common life and work and family and how all of that fits. Uh, And that's when this idea of an incarnational stream uh, and a sacramental life fit together. So there is a specifically religious dimension to the incarnational stream. Uh, And that's expressed mostly in our corporate worship. We use physical, material things to express and manifest the spiritual. Uh, And and for that, for the religious dimension, I think it's important for us to um, use that verse in 2 Corinthians, where Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, he goes on to say that the treasure is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The earthen vessel is the human body and the various ways that we have of enshrouding the treasure. So, uh, all of the religious expressions are vessels many vessels, one treasure. And we want to be sure that we see that distinction because what we pass on to people is the treasure. Now, there are many liturgical expressions, and and we need to have a liturgical expression because we are finite human beings. We have a choice of what form of liturgy we might have, the choice we do not have is to have no liturgy because we're finite human beings. We need a way of expressing uh, this spiritual reality that is really beyond us, uh, but we use physical things as a metaphor, if you, if you might think of it that way. And uh, so, many vessels. And, uh, I mean, the, 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 the uh, Baptist tradition has a liturgical form of its own. The, the Anglican, the, you know, all of these different groups, even the Quakers, with uh, their emphasis upon silence, it's a, that's a liturgical form. So, but, but what we're after is the treasure the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ.
1: Does that make sense? It does. So I mean let's just define briefly the term incarnation. Yes. I mean carne,
0: meaning meat and in, you you manifest embody. Yeah. God embodied. Oh, you got the right word.
1: <laughs> well, I I had it, but I I was going to let you, you know. You were hoping
0: that I might come up with it, however.
1: <laughs> so that in terms of kind of corporate worship, God embodied uh, in the liturgy, the the metaphor for the treasure, you could say. That's right. Exactly. So, so the That's baptism exactly. Communion, Uh,
0: communion, uh, various forms, the laying on of hands, anointing with oil, all of these are physical means to express a spiritual reality. We often think of these things as visible means of expressing an invisible reality.
1: And when you talk about treasure and vessel, what you're saying is let's not get hung up on. The specific um, means, exactly. Right? This is just an expression.
0: That is just an expression. So let's not get too tied. I mean, people who are in a free church tradition that uh, move into some uh, liturgical tradition, they can, might get excited about that. The danger of that is you're you're wanting to bring upon people the vessel rather than the treasure.
1: Boy, don't we just do that as humans? All
0: the time. I'm, All I'm, the time.
1: I'm thinking of for the for the disciplines, right? The exactly. rather than thinking of being with God, we get hung up on this. And
0: part of that is because God meets us in a particular uh physical reality. I mean we we uh, we go to an altar in some traditions, and uh, people come and pray for us, and God meets us there, and and then we want to turn that into a system, and have altars all the time or whatever, right. you know. It's it's that kind of thing. There's great value in these vessels uh, because. Uh, they uh, uh, in fact, liturgy itself uh, in the Latin means the people's work. And so these are this is what we do to uh, to open us to a reality that is beyond physical things. Mm-hmm. But what we are aiming at is bringing people to the treasure, which is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love that phrase. What's it from? Uh, Second Corinthians somewhere. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh. Wait a minute. Yeah, Second Corinthians uh, chapter four, verse six. Well done.
1: Well done. <laughs> you were looking down. With- I <laughs> saw it in a writing. <laughs> <Friday. laughs> Not letting you get away with the you know, the senior moment that you, you thought. Right. right. No, I, (laughs) I did look at a note. So we have this tradition in uh, the liturgy and our um, uh, religious expressions, but then it also extends work life. Common life. Now,
0: This is where it's so important to see it. It's just first, just our ordinary life. One of the lovely phrases from Martin Luther was uh, when he was talking about the priesthood of all believers, that all of us have priestly function, where he said that the uh, plowboy in his plowing and the milkmaid in her milking are doing priestly work, sacred things, see, so that um, we see that life itself uh, is the arena where that happens. And there, we should take uh, that passage in Colossians that says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him I'd like to encourage people to think first of their work we all have work in some form and to see our work as uh, the place of meeting God of of w- learning to walk with God in that work setting so that... Uh, uh, we we discover a life with God, as we sometimes say. But but in the in the work, you th- you think of the uh, the old artisans who would carve the backside of uh, the statue or the furniture. Uh, the shakers. Paper. Yeah, the, the the side that nobody would see. They the bedpost, the, bed the backside. The backside, they, because God would see it. So they were working, as sometimes we put it, to an audience of one, which is God. And, uh, and so our work. Now, in our day, this is an area that we really have to uh, wrestle with because uh, there's so many things in our technologically oriented world that really doesn't feel like a sacred space. Uh, you know, it, it feels too impersonal. It feels too, and I, and I don't know the answer to all of these things, but these are the kinds of issues. How am I embodying a life with God in the work that I'm given to do? Dishes. Dishes. Yeah, see, ordinary things. Let's bring it uh, from the workplace to the home. Uh, Children, there's where we're going to discover a life with God more clearly than just about any place else, and ordinary tasks so that we uh, learn to wash dishes to the glory of God. Brother Lawrence spoke of himself, as the Lord of all pots and pans he worked in the kitchen and uh he saw that as sacred an activity as if he were at the holy Eucharist
1: so bring this down for me because I have a sink full of dishes (laughs) (laughs) not not too excited to enter that sacred space how do how do we
0: um how do we do isn't that? that a good question uh I don't know, except that we look at the dishes. We look at the unmowed lawn, the weeds in the garden. I look at it. I look at it. And then we say, this is the task assigned to me by God. And I want to glorify God in the midst of that. When I was up in uh, Alaska many, many years ago as a teenager, and we were digging a ditch, this is above the Arctic Circle, and it was summertime so they could uh, actually dig in the ground, and we were uh, digging this ditch to put in some pipe. And this Eskimo fellow came gnarled, his hands rough. I mean, you could tell many, many winters. And he just watched us for the longest time. I mean, here we are digging away. Finally, he spoke and he says, you are digging a ditch to the the glory of God. And I thought, oh my. See, it gave a whole new picture to me of what I was doing in digging this ditch. And it's, it's simple things like that. Uh, it may be that, I mean, if, if we want to make a crossover, just think of the liturgical tradition of uh, singing hymns or spiritual songs or choruses or whatever has ministered to us out of that liturgical tradition and bring that we hum a hymn while we're, you know, doing the work. And, and that can help to add. Uh, we, we, we come to see that, you know, in, in your example of things like dishes, uh, ordering, bringing a little bit of order to our lives is, uh, is a good thing.
1: And it also can become a a service. Exactly.
0: See, you've got it. Very good. Because this is one of the main areas where the incarnational tradition works out. We learn to serve one another. So if I can do something and I think about the value that it might bring to another human being, a spouse, a child, a uh, a neighbor, whatever it is, um, and and so I and and this is how all of these things cross over. Uh, a while back, we talked about the evangelical tradition, and and uh, so I go over and I talk with my neighbor. Just we talk uh, about the baseball game. We talk about you know, whatever is of interest to him. And that brings who we are uh, into the context of another human being. And I, I recently needed to move a bunch of boxes and uh, was talking with a friend, and he had another friend, and the two of them came over. And so the three of us Move boxes, and they were serving and finding great value in just serving, serving me, but serving God too.
1: And you let them serve you.
0: Yeah, boy, did I.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a that's a practice. It is.
0: It is. Yeah, yeah. But I've long since
1: uh, gotten rid (laughs) of the feeling like. uh, Gotten over that one. All this; those boxes are heavy. Let them. (laughs) I I think what I'm hearing is it it, is it as simple as just a a shift in my awareness, a shift in my intentions.
0: That's that's very well put. It uh, we we orient ourselves. Who was it, Thomas Kelly, that talked about? We swing like a needle to the pole star of the Spirit, uh, we just, uh, oh, this is is the sacred space. You know, I've sometimes talked about Moses at the burning bush, that God had to tell him to take off his shoes. He didn't realize it was holy ground. And for us to realize that right where we are, and right what we're doing. I remember one time uh, when I was trying to learn about prayer, and one of the tasks at this church that I was at, one of my tasks was to visit the uh, sick in the hospital. And I remember driving to this hospital and and complaining to myself that, oh, if I didn't have to do all this stuff, I could learn to pray. <laughs> <laughs> when all of a sudden i realized this is where i'll learn to pray and i go to the hospital when i am at the bedside of another human being and this is where I'll, and, and my goodness they're expecting me to pray in that in that context but the question is what what do we pray and what kind of spirit do we bring to a situation, all of that, so that became the place where I learned how to pray.
1: And that's that's taking a dip. Oh wait, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, guess what that alarms for?
0: What we've been saying for the last twenty minutes is is uh, erased.
1: <laughs> no, it's every day at, at noon the staff meets to pray. Oh, and that's my oh. alarm to to go pray. Oh, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay here with you. But I just thought it was funny because you were talking about interesting
0: prayer. And then
1: here's my alarm.
0: And see, that's a nice rhythm that you as a staff have put together to uh, each day or whatever it is that you do. You just for a little while, you pray together. And uh, and that's the value uh, of pauses, uh, for example, in our work. That we and and it doesn't have to be too uh, organized, too detailed. I mean, we just take a little walk for five minutes. We get a cup of coffee, and we just sip the coffee and ask that we might drink in God's life for a few moments, and then we're back to the task and. The task maybe takes on a a new meaning, mm-hmm. and that's the way we go. That's the way we do it.
1: And and then this is where the streams run one into the other. So it's absolutely it's incarnational, con- but it's contemplative. Right. All right. You know, one of my favorite objects is <laughs> a label maker. I oh yes, right I have a very nice label maker with different colored tape. I'm very proud of it <laughs> uh, so oh, you gave me an idea over the sink to the glory there. of God wouldn't that be a nice yeah
0: yeah I'm washing dishes to the glory of God
1: mm. we like had it.
0: uh we had this friend in England that uh, we stayed in their cottage and uh His wife was just talking about, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a dishwasher in the house? They had a very simple cottage. They didn't have those kind of things. And uh, they were talking about it. And then Carolyn and I went into London, and we were just looking around, and we found, oh, my goodness, the most gaudy, uh, touristy apron, you know, plastic apron. And uh, we went back uh, to the place to stay with them, and, and I said, we've found the dishwasher for you, Jane. And uh, so then we presented uh, this apron to uh, Edward, and he's the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they got dishwasher. a good laugh out of it.
0: <laughs> he could take a joke.
1: <laughs> and, and this applies even to email. Oh, gosh, yes, well, uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Jan Johnson would say something to the effect of, you know, this is how I uh, love today and how I'm present because there's a real person Uh here that that Uh matters. And
0: if Um, we can swish a prayer along with the email, mm -hmm. uh, isn't that nice? For the good of another person. Yeah. Yeah, because email and texting and all kinds of uh, systems uh, are now our way of communicating and expressing interest and concern. So
1: So we've got then the corporate, liturgical, religious life. We have common life. Uh And then my favorite, the natural world.
0: Yeah, oh, oh, indeed, indeed. The, the, uh, I am working right now in writing a foreword to a book uh, called Parables of the Christ Life, and this lady, Lilius Trotter, uh, in the a- 1890s on into the 19th century, uh, painted, and she was a missionary in Algeria. But she focused on uh, the desert plants of Algeria. It was amazing. Uh, and these little paintings, uh, drawings uh, she was quite a gifted artist. Uh, but I, I saw in that the, her attention to the book of nature. The, the devotional masters, you remember, teaches us to read two books. The Bible and the Book of Nature. And uh, boy, yes, indeed, that's, if we talk about uh, the incarnational tradition being
1: uh,
0: the ways by which God clothes himself for us so that we might see the glory of God. Um, the natural world is one of the best. So, yes, thank you for mentioning that,
1: yeah, so taking a walk, having a conversation with God about the tree or the the bunny, you bet this is part of the incarnational tradition. Mm-hmm. do that?
0: And we learn to enjoy these things because they're meant for this beauty is meant for our good. Um, and so, Uh, we know that the the physical world, as we now know it, has been touched by the fall. So there are things about it that will be restored, as Paul says in Romans. So we look for that, because as he says, the creation groans, waiting for full redemption. But even so, we go into the woods or a walk in the park. Uh, these are important things for us. We watch the squirrel and observe his or her patterns of activity. We enjoy the birds and laugh, laugh with them. We we listen for the song of the birds and also perhaps the song of the flowers. I, I kind of think flowers sing. <laughs> We just can't quite hear them right now.
1: Oh, to have a frequency to...
0: (laughs) To hear the hallelujah chorus. I mean, you know, right now we're at a time when flowers, at least for us, are just, just beginning, just coming. And I came across this field of Indian paintbrush that just, oh my goodness, takes my breath away. (laughs) <laughs> just standing, I mean, hundreds of these little small flowers, very beautiful.
1: And, and again, maybe may a little like the dishes, a, a shift in our awareness, our mm-hmm. intentions, mm-hmm. a pause of what God might have for us in this
0: Yes, space. yes, all of that is part of it. We, what we learn in that is to pay attention. And let's don't get it make it too overly religious. I mean, it may be that God speaks some words about things, but also just to enjoy the beauty of of those Indian paintbrush and
1: say thank you, Lord.
0: Yeah. That's enough.
1: That's enough. And and this ties into the vessel treasure thing again. It's mm-hmm. not worshiping the object. the object.
0: But allowing it to, as uh, Kelly says, to swing like a needle to the pole star of the spirit, to to the triune God, to the creator, to the sustainer, and... Uh, there we are. There we are.
1: Very helpful. That's the
0: incarnational stream. Very, Very simple, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But but something that can be explored in many, many areas. It's good.
1: Now, maybe as we close, um, why does this one, if there is an order, why does this one go at the end?
0: Well, it's just that we've seen... Uh, in the contemplative life, how we uh, learn to uh, be in the very presence of God. In the holiness tradition, we've worked together on the power to be the kind of person God wants us to be. In the charismatic stream, how to do the things that God wants us to do. In the evangelical stream, how the Word of God is proclaimed in in the social justice stream, how that Word becomes good news to other people. Well, then, the Incarnational brings all of that together and puts it into practice in daily life, in the religious life. And so it makes sense to me for that to be the, the sort of... Uh, Uh, final and bridge uh, tradition that incorporates them all.
1: Well, there you have it. Of course, if you'd like more reading on the Incarnational stream, we're releasing articles all month on our website, runovare.org. As always, thanks for listening and have a great week.